Welcome to the Aftershock Central Podcast with the full Voltron. It's been a very long time, gentlemen. Welcome. I could I could go ahead and start singing the the theme song there. It's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> from getting from here to there. I mean, you guys have put out episodes. I don't think I've been on here in like two months. Yeah, Aaron's been on more than you've been on. Yeah. So uh, it's nice to be back. Now like I don't talk to you guys all the time, I think we recorded together like three times this week. Yeah. So uh, so that's good. And, and the week's not over yet. Ah, yes. One more again, as they say in the set. <laughs> 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 one more again. Uh, welcome to the Aftershock Central Podcast. We have uh, Ronnie here, Travis is here, me, Martin, I'm here too. And uh, we're here to talk Aftershock Comics. For the last time ever. Kidding. Wah, kidding. Wah. Too soon, I know. Too soon. Boo! For the next month, I guess. We'll meet again. <laughs> <laughs> don't know how, don't know when. <laughs> yes! Has this become a karaoke podcast? Is that is that what's going on? The karaoke <laughs> central That's podcast? That's tomorrow! <laughs> uh, yes, very true. Tomorrow will be interesting, to say the least. Hmm. hmm. We'll see. Anyways, let's uh let's 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 dive right in. Do we have any news, Ronnie? I know we have one piece of Yep. We have one piece of news, which is uh Stephanie Phillips and Robert Carey are putting together um Red Atlantis. And and for right now, the debut of issue number one will be June tenth. And it's kind of cool how this whole whole thing came about because uh, Jan Newman, uh, who was a former intelligence officer in the Russia's Federal Secret Service, um, kind of wrote this whole synopsis, I guess. Yep. And then um, Stephanie and Robert kind of made it their own in comic book form, which is alt history or not alt fiction history i guess not alt history which is right up stephanie's alley yep mm-hmm. yep looks cool uh i think the uh the synopsis is vague enough where we don't know what the supernatural element is yeah uh but we all know what it is right in the words of the great george sukalos i'm not gonna say it was aliens <laughs> but it was aliens <laughs> yep I mean, maybe well, I don't know. Could be zombies. Dude, if it's if it's Russia, it's got to be Baba Yaga, right? Oh, that's true. Ooh, that's yeah. true. Uh, I mean, you do see some dark figures with glowing eyes, so maybe something. Maybe something. Uh, yeah, it looks cool. I know, Ronnie, you uh, you tweeted out that one cover that looks awesome. Is that is that like digital painting or is that an actual photograph? I'm not sure, actually, how that one is. Um, that was the Bradstreet cover right yes okay yep because then then you have the normal uh well not normal but propaganda type poster one yeah the robert hack cover yeah correct yep i like that one a lot i like that one a lot what um he doing brad oh, he, he was doing what? the uh the sabrina covers robert hack yep chilling yeah, adventures yeah. of sabrina yep and brad brad street was doing the punisher covers yep that's right very good. Yeah, Robert Hack's awesome. You get Robert Hack on a book. Yep, I agree. And if Valiant's listening, 
but Robert Hack on the book. Valiant. <laughs> In case they're listening, you never know. Oh, uh, that's true. <laughs> you never know. Uh, Robert Hack's awesome. Yeah, cool. I'm uh, I'm excited for this. Stephanie's the best. They might be eavesdropping. Hey, you never you never know nowadays. You know what I mean? I mean, I dude, aftershock listens sometimes. That's true. They, they could they could put him on a book, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they should put him on a book right now. Yes, you said it. I did see it. You hear it first. Robert Hack <laughs> confirmed <laughs> for, for an aftershock book. <laughs> You get a book. You get a book. <laughs> uh, I love chatting with you guys. It's fun. All right. Let's uh is that the only news we have? Yep, that's it. All right, cool. Let's let's dive into the books. Uh we're gonna kick things off talking about Animosity number twenty seven. This is written by Marguerite Bennett, art by Elton Tomasi, colors by Juan Cho, and letters by Taylor Esposito. I am going to uh start putting exclamation points on my name. You should. Yeah, I will. I'm going to start um, putting at signs on mine. Yeah? Ron yeah. Batter 316? Well, I mean, my last name has an A in it, so. That's true. Uh, all right, so Animosity. This is part three of The King of Texas. Uh, how'd you guys feel? I, I like this, this setting. This is like totally Texas. Yeah. I mean, what we'd have to ask Jay to confirm. But... <laughs> Until we see with chili with no beans in this book, I'm just going to say it's only like 80% Texas. <laughs> but, yes, I agree with you 100%. Um, uh, this is, what, 27 issues in? Yes. And I think they, I think it has like 10 more issues before it comes to longest running Aftershock book to beat out mm. Insects. Oh, yeah. Also a Marguerite Bennett book. Also, yeah. Um mm. But, like, each issue, even the slow issues, if you will, of this has been solid and world-building, even when it's been slow. Yes. You know what I really like about this book? Uh, I know Walking Dead's not uh, being published anymore. Um, And I know a lot of people love it, so don't at me. But to me, Animosity is, like, a better version of Walking Dead. Um, Because the arcs are not as long in animosity and so you're able to tell a lot more interesting stories about this world uh than in walking dead uh, i mean don't get me wrong walking dead's a good book uh, obviously right it, it rang for forever mm-hmm. but um i feel like sometimes the arcs in that book run a little bit long and uh when when you're dealing with a lot of like really depressing topics like you do in a book like walking dead or animosity uh sometimes it's kind of nice to get like a little uh, fresh, fresh perspective, a change of scenery, a little more often than uh, than Walking Dead does, because uh, you know Walking Dead arcs are like twenty issues long. Yeah, they were long. And that- Dude, nothing is gonna like compare with the Walking Dead in terms of length. It's like one of the longest running modern comics. Period. So, you know, like I'm, I, you know, I would be surprised if Animosity gets there just because it's, you know. Walking Dead has such a large head start. Sure. Well, plus Walking Dead, it was obviously a more popular book also, right? Mm-hmm. Walking Dead was yeah. always like a top 20 comic every month, whereas Animosity is not. Yeah. But I do think that there's a lot of different things here that Animosity has going for it. Because there for a while, it had its partner book. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's 
building a world within the world and we still haven't had that meetup really yet. Yeah, I'm sure it's right? I'm sure it's coming. I mean, we're halfway across the country right now, so. Well, yeah. I'm just saying like that that could be issue 50 even. Sure. There you go. Uh so I, I really liked the the way that Texas handles the awakening. Um and of course, this is something that you know, maybe floating around in my head right now with all this uh, virus talk, and uh, I don't want to do virus talk, but uh, you know, you gotta wonder sometimes, like, what kind of communities would thrive over others? And uh, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Texas for any length of time. I lived in Texas for about a year, uh, and uh, you know, Texas is a, a very different place, and in some respects, it's like almost its own country. And uh, I think some Texans do feel that way. Uh, I, I know there's a couple jokes made at the beginning of this issue about exactly that, right? Where, like, you know, when this whole thing happened, like, we were totally fine because we've been ready to secede for years, right? So we had guns and, and food and, you know, everything was set up uh, a certain way that allowed us to thrive when everybody else is just kind of going back to the Stone Age. Uh, and that's, that's very true. Uh, even, like, utilities in Texas, uh, at least in the part where I lived at, were, like, very oddly set up. Right. I don't know how it is where you guys live, but like we have one power company mm -hmm. uh, that mm -hmm. services everybody. And like usually you have like a couple in a state that service the whole state. Uh, in Texas, it's not like that at all um, because the power companies don't like own the power lines, for example. Um, so basically power companies in Texas are like co-ops where they're just like renting access to the lines and then like you're paying them to use the line. Um, so in that respect, it's also very different. Um, and, and the whole state is set up that way. So it is very self-sufficient and, you know, in, in an event like what happens in this book, uh, it's very obvious to me that like, yeah, Texas would be just fine. Uh, in fact, I'm surprised that in some respects it, it has evolved or could argue maybe devolved into what it became, right? Cause it's like the, the holy empire of Texas or whatever. Um, I don't know if like that necessarily would happen. Um, I don't know if like you would have a, a kingdom in Texas like they have here. Uh, it seems like it'd be more like... Uh, have you guys ever seen the show ba um, Into the Badlands? <clears throat> okay, so it was an AMC show, uh, kind of odd in its subject. There's kind of an apocalypse, and basically uh, in the Badlands, which would be like in the middle of the country, the, the whole place like evolves into... Uh, like barren ships and so like there's barons that control like a small parcel of land and all the people in it and basically like they all fight for resources and like their main most of their main exports in the badlands is like opium uh, they never like explicitly say it but you, there's like poppy seeds growing like everywhere um and always people harvesting them and so i would see texas something more like that where instead of having like a united empire in texas uh, there would be something like little fiefdoms set up throughout the state. Uh, because there's a lot of very wealthy people. Um, a lot of them, you know, just so happen to have wealth because there was like uh, an oil well on their property, for example. Um, and I think there's some some mention of something similar to that here. Um, where like they talk about, you know, Texas has the most tigers in the world uh, because people just have so much money. They have like safaris that they set up in their backyard and there's like... Tigers and bears and whatever. Oh my, just running around. Uh, and and in many respects, that is true of of Texas. Uh, not everywhere, and I think 
maybe it paints Texas like this wild, wild west kind of place. I don't think it necessarily is. Uh, but I thought all of that was very interesting. I'll definitely agree that it seems like kind of, uh, you know, their wealth, for lack of a better word, comes from, you know, having this energy resource. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's like kind of what allows them to go out and do these things. Um, you know, I my read, I, I think, would be as far as it being a kingdom, to your point, instead of fiefdoms is like... I, I assume that that was done via force on in some respects, you know, mm. like like they they somehow came through, or, or you know, I don't know, maybe it was the uh, the energy monopoly or something was just like, yeah, you, you know, you need our oil slash gas, etc. So you know, you're gonna you're gonna kiss the ring, etc. Yeah, I mean, maybe I don't know, uh, dude. Texas is like a giant freaking place. You know what I mean? I mean, it takes hours to drive through Texas. Yeah, like days, dude. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess it's possible. Uh, I just, to me, it seems like it would go slightly different. Uh, but, but I can understand why Steph, or why Marguerite chose to portray it this way. I, I think it does make sense in some re- some regards. Um, and I think more in the fact that it plays a little bit on maybe what like what a, a Texas stereotype would be, right? Um. Because even though it's a giant state, like there's a lot of places where there's like nobody living there, right? Like you can just drive and drive through the desert for forever. Um, but there's also very large pockets of, of populations, and like Houston and Dallas, and uh, so I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, um, I think to your point, it, they kind of really do stay pretty vague about how this all came together, you know. And, and like, there certainly are things that are intriguing about it. For instance, that there are a coalition that there's what three kings, mm-hmm. you know. So like that implies some kind of consolidation or organization that there's a story behind, but they didn't really say what that is, you know. Yeah. So it's intriguing. I'm assuming maybe there just a decision was made that it's it wasn't material to the story, um, you know. But even more intriguing. Uh, you know, I want to get your take. Mm-hmm. What is up with the Minotaur, dude? <laughs> I was about to ask you. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> is it a guy in a suit or like a costume that is like role playing as a, a bull? I mean, I don't know, man. Like the head looks like it's not a mask, but he. I saw he one panel just... that looked a little janky. Yeah. But yeah. In previous issues, it looked like a minotaur. Yeah. And no, that needs, that's, you can't just drop that and be <laughs> like, oh yeah, some, some steers when they, like, when the wake happened, like, developed opposable thumbs and digits. Yeah. And he's freaking huge. Yeah. Yeah. He's pretty jacked. Like, that's uh, the elephant room, dude. Yeah. I don't like, have nobody an answer is for like, you. Aren't there people in the room or animals or whatever? They're like, yo, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> I've never yeah. seen that before. Yeah, I, I don't have an answer for you. That's fine. I just, it needed to be said. It, it does need to be said uh, because it is a little jarring, I think. Yeah, uh, I mean, if we're, if we're going to get animal-human hu- hybrids, you know, like, uh, that's, I did not see that coming for this series. And it is intriguing. 
because obviously, I don't know, whatever, maybe I shouldn't say this, but, you know, certainly there are hints of interspecies relationships in this book. Uh-huh. It happened in this issue. Yes. So, I, mean, I don't so- so, so there is one panel uh, where it looks like maybe he just like cut the head of a bull, like just the skin with the horns on it. Um, what page is this? It's page. Oh, it's the first page um, where the guy's talking about uh, we're ready to secede. That that panel. If you look on the far left, you see the little minotaur guy, and it looks like his whole face is not a bull. It looks like he's wearing like a, a cowl. Like a bull cowl. Like his yeah, jawline like, looks human, but then he's got like bull skin on his on the top of his head. Yeah, it's kind of like the moose lodge type thing. Yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe that's what it is, Travis. Cool. I think maybe that could have come through a little bit clearer, but yeah. <laughs> I saw s- something was clearing up in this issue that I was like, okay, it's like a mask or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the only explanation. I, there, there hasn't been enough time for them to develop human-animal hybrids or for a human to somehow impregnate an animal or vice versa. Uh, so, yeah, it's got to be a mask. Welcome back, Ronnie. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, what's the deal with the sludge? I'm a little confused about that. I figured it was a tar pit. Okay. But why, why are they throwing it down to, like, are they eating this stuff? Oh, that, yeah. Oh, no, yeah, I, I don't know about that. That's a good question. Yeah, I was a little I have no theory that. on that right now. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, all this says, don't worry about the sludge, 100% biodegradable byproduct of black gold. Gotta love the future. Uh, and it's like, everyone's begging to, like, drink the stuff. I don't know about that, man. Maybe. Um, should we go ahead and get to uh, the escape? Or is there something you guys want to talk about beforehand? I guess we can talk a little bit about the uh, the Garinuk and and Sandor. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. So I don't know what a Garinuk is. It looks uh, kind of like a camel without a hump. Is that what it yeah. is? Yeah, I had to look it up actually. You did? Okay. Kind of, and that's kind of like what it is. Um, or I think Wikipedia, if you can believe that or not, um, said it was like an off-brand of a deer. Huh. So interesting. Like a deer, camel. Inter or interspecies type thing. Oh, maybe we can't have minotaurs in here. That sounds funky. All right, uh, that's fine. Um, I thought their uh, I thought their relationship was kind of interesting. And uh, what's the uh, what's the goat's name? Zamza. She does not. Zarza. Seem, yeah, Zarza. She does not seem too happy about the whole. But which it would have. I thought it would have been the other way around, right? Because. Well, because Sandor has to pick one and to go free, and uh, he obviously picks the one that he trusts the most. Mm-hmm. So, so I would have thought that, like, what, what's her, what's the ghost's name? Zarza. Zarza, right. Like, I would have pictured her, well, I guess knowing her from the past that, you know, she's all in type stuff, like charge hell with a water pistol type person or personality. But, like, you didn't let me go free. So, you know, like, I've been more mad, but, like, the animal was like, okay, well, yep, you didn't pick me, so I'll be, I'll still be your friend type thing. But I would have been mad, right? Like, I, mean, I guess. Like, okay, if you're caught up in a thing and it's me, you, and Travis, 
and like I say that Travis can go free, Travis isn't going to come back and yell at me because he's going to be go free, and you're not going to be happy with me because I made you stay and be a prisoner with me. Look, I'd probably be all right, man. I'd be drinking that uh, that snake poison. <laughs> <laughs> but you see what, I, what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I mean, I, I don't know. I It just felt, I guess, pers- or yeah, personality-wise with the characters, I guess it felt okay. But like in my head, I would be like, well, how can you not be a slight pissed off because you didn't choose me to go free? I don't know. I mean, like, do they have a thing going on? It seems like they have a thing going on, so maybe that's why not pissed. We got a thing going on. <laughs> well, we got and, the episode title. True. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's Sandor's last couple of days, weeks. We don't know. We know right. he's sick. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, it's I fine, know. man. I, I feel like they just met. So it's like, what do you expect from somebody you just met? You know, it's like, I've known this lemur for a long time. You don't understand. You know, it's uh, just met. So call me, maybe. Yeah. They <laughs> <laughs> call me, baby. Yes. OK, let's talk about the the great escape. Uh, when when did we have the uh, the snakes? What issue? Was Last that? arcs. Yeah. Twenty four. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. So not not very long since we had the uh, the snake thing, but I I really appreciated the callback to that, uh, and I thought that was a fantastic way to escape. Let's just dump this hallucinogenic snake poison into the water well, and then everyone will drink it and get super high, and we'll just like go out the front door. Yeah, that's pretty genius. And now they don't have water, right? Like the water is is contaminated now, right? So is well, that why everybody leaves at the end? <laughs> <laughs> no, the ones that leave are the ones that didn't drink the water. Yeah. Okay. Everybody that drinks they, the water is just like running from <laughs> dinosaur bones. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. don't know if snake venom like denatures or whatever in water after you know within like a few days. It seems like you know. <laughs> You're I mean, like, okay, well, I need water. Time to trip some balls. Here we go. I, I, I don't know. Maybe. I wouldn't know anything about this. Uh, I mean, hey, may- sounds fun, except that they see dinosaurs when that happens. <laughs> well, and of course, that's kind of like allegorical, right? Because Texas is built on oil, and oil would just is a, is a byproduct of like animal decomposition, basically. Um Right. And and so like the dinosaurs turn into oil and now like they're drinking this water, they trip balls and now they see like T-Rex skeletons like Godzilla in the place up. Or they are in fact dinosaur ghosts. <laughs> I blew your mind. I mean it's possible, depends how you want to view the trip. Mm-hmm. The trip could be very real. Maybe maybe the dinosaurs are there. Yep. Um sounds, it, sounds like a trip. <laughs> my friend had one time <laughs> your friend uh, I, need, I need to meet this friend <laughs> yeah. he sounds like he's cur- got some stories yeah the shower curtain turned into a dragon <laughs> <laughs> oh man I mean I would not know anything about this but do not ever stare at the, uh, at the sky if you're tripping it will no, freak you out 
the sky's infinity. <laughs> no, it'll freak you out, bro. Trust, I mean, don't trust me. I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> you read that somewhere before. Yeah, I, I read that somewhere. I think it was in, uh, in Animosity. Yeah, that's, that's where I get all my reading from. Uh-huh. Um, it, it was interesting, though, that there's a, kind of like a mass hallucination where everyone sees the same thing. Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. And, uh, and it is also kind of a callback to the, uh, the snake pit. Uh, I think Trav or I think Ronnie, you were out. I think it was just me and Travis on on that uh, discussion. Um, but uh, again, I wouldn't know anything about this. But I have heard from a friend uh, that uh, there are certain like hallucinogenic experiences you can have where it's like a shared experience, right? Um, maybe that's what this well, is, right? Like the snake poison well, is so powerful. Didn't um, in the snake arc. Didn't they, like, each person that um, had the venom, didn't they experience the same thing? Yes. Okay. Yep. So, I mean, it kind of aligns with what's going on here. Right. With everybody having the same experience. Yep. So, continuity is kept. Success. Yes. Also, they, it wasn't just snake venom. They also mixed in the Flatland special. Yes. Whatever we think that is. Like, meth or whatever. I don't know. Meth, is that what it is? I thought it was just a sludge. Ha. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. Let me see if I can find that. But they, um, remember they gave it to to the monkey, to Benjamin, like, in the first issue of the arc? And mm-hmm. he, like, his, like, pupils go, like, super small or something, right? Oh, so is this, like, uh, something out of our conspiracy? Where, like, put fluorine in the water for mind control? <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. They don't really. They're not really specific about what it is, but it like they give it to to the lemur to keep it under control. I'm trying to find what it is that they mixed it with. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, Flatland special. Yeah. I don't know, what, man. What sounds like a good cocktail? We gotta we gotta look into that. <laughs> yeah. But like half of, or not half. I would say what two quarter or I don't know. Most of Texas is pretty much two thirds of Texas is pretty much desert and flatlands anyway. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. It's uh, by the way, uh, plus one point for Marguerite for the chemistry lesson when they're uh, when they're about to dump the poison into the water, the snake poison into the water. Uh, he's like, it has to be water. It won't work in alcohol. The ethanol neutralizes the venom. Uh, for any chemist out there, you want to mix stuff together. You use uh, very pure alcohol because it's a nonpolar solvent. See? The more you know. Yeah. I would know nothing about this, by the way. Yeah. A, a friend told me about it. It's part you of your... You got some sketchy friends, dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Ravis, Trilliums, and, <laughs> <laughs> and Bonnie Raren. I mean, come on. Yeah. Those guys. <laughs> yeah. uh, very good. Very good. What else on this book? Uh, I'm good on it. Travis? Yeah, I feel good. The one thing I'll just say is, you know, that we didn't touch on is kind of, you know, there was this moment where Sandor was like, oh, yeah, Jess is going to hate me now because she's seen me like rip up a bunch of animals. And uh, that didn't happen. Jesse uh, couldn't hate Sandor. So. Yeah, and, and Jesse says that right when they're on the uh, on the rooftop. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I guess that pays off something they set up earlier, but I imagine they'll have words. <laughs> In future issues about what happened. Yes. yes. Well, can they though? Because Jesse kind of did the same thing a couple of arcs ago. 
like it's all about survival type thing. So where Sandor, remember it was the arc where Sandor was really worried about her being. I think it was with the ladies, the lady camp, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, you know Jesse had to do some sketchy things too. So I think it's just the way of the world at the moment. Well, and I think also to go back to the snake thing, I think uh, the little trip she had there kind of changed her perspective on some things. Because uh, she mm. does mention that in, in that discussion. Um, she says, he killed so many of them, just so many, blah, blah, blah. I didn't care. When I saw him, all I wanted, I wanted him to live no matter what, like the god of the animals. There you go. Yeah. Yep. That's her friend. See? Jesse's got some sketchy friends, too. Yep. Is one named Juan the Hammond? Yes, he provides her with an endless supply of hot wings. (laughs) (laughs) And fish nuggets. (laughs) Yeah, and fish nuggets. Uh, Very good. So uh, let's rate this one up. Uh, I'm just going to go. I'm going to go five out of five. I I love this book. I'll go Uh, four out of five. I'll go in the middle of both of you and go four and a half out of five. Very good. All right, next up we have Shoplifters Will Be Liquidated, number five. This is written by Patrick Clinton with art by Stefano Simeone, letters by Hassan Osmani, Elhau, and... Okay, that's it. That's the whole team. Um, man, this is a tough book to talk about. This, this is the final issue. Um, I'm a little lost as to everything that exactly happened um what i do know for sure happened is that this corporation somehow managed to pass legislation uh that it's cool for people to come to their little store and purchase like a suicide package um so i think ultimately what i got out of this is a a very anti-capitalist sentiment i guess um aside from that man i don't know to me this was a this was a tough issue to read uh, not that it wasn't good, just a lot, I think a lot of the dialogue uh, felt a little disjointed for me, and and it's been so long since I read the last issue that maybe I forgot some of the uh, some of the plot details. To be honest, Travis. Okay, what I would say first off is that you know my assumption, like the lens that that I am viewing this through, is that this is a comedy, right? Yes. So you know, most important is you know is it funny you know like like i don't think you can necessarily analyze a comedy in the same way per se that you do i don't know a drama or whatever you know like some other genre um so kind of necessarily dissecting all of the like themes and whatever i I don't want to necessarily get too bogged down in that because i don't necessarily think that was the main point you know, I think it's a satire about hypercapitalism, and I think kind of it works uh, through that lens. You know, um, so I would also say, I guess, just in kind of like top line, that it felt a little bit rushed. Hmm. Like I didn't really expect this to be the final issue, and I feel like a lot of things resolved very quickly that like so quickly that you might be kind of asking what what the point was um so like i i don't know necessarily if they just had to kind of wrap it up and that there were things that didn't fully pay off that were 
you know, uh, in the in the works. So, so I think I understand what you're saying, and I, I partially agree and partially don't. Uh, I mean, with it being a, a fifth issue, I just automatically assume like this would be the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did read the book that way, knowing that this would be the final issue. Um, to your point, though, I think I don't know if it necessarily felt rushed. I just think it's the 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 type of story this book tells um, has become more and more disjointed with each issue, and and I don't think that that's I don't that's not an insult to the book or the writing uh, because it is very smartly written. Um, I think that's done on purpose uh, because of the the themes that we're discussing in this book uh, with the the hypercapitalism, for example, where like everything's falling apart and breaking down. And so normally at the end, you would expect like some kind of resolution and a happy ending. And and in this book, you get the exact opposite, right? Um, because this plot of like infiltrating the corporation with like sleeper agents um, to like free, like the slave, you know, the, the, the consumers and the farmers and this, that, and the other, free them from the grasp of this like giant corporate empire, uh, all that fails, right? Because mm-hmm. like they execute their plan, and like the stock starts tanking, but like all of a sudden it doesn't matter, right? Because they created this new business model for the company, and for some reason, like everyone loves the fact that like now you can just go to the store and like purchase a suicide package. Um, like capitalism wins. Like you should be able to do whatever you want under capitalism, uh, including killing yourself. And and so the stock the stock goes higher than it's ever been, right? Um, and I, th- mm-hmm. I think the, the the CEO is killed right in that explosion. Oh yeah, he's yeah. wearing a suicide mask, yeah, yeah, yeah. dude. Right, right. And the yeah. and the detective is killed too. And yes. the girl that is chasing him right. seems to be killed. Right, right, right. Um, so like, there's no happy ending, right? And and you know, you're talking about it being a satire. Like, I think ultimately that's maybe why it feels a little rushed. Um, even though it's not, I think the the ending is exactly as it should be. Just like it doesn't read like a typical comic book. Yeah, you no want no happy ending. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Edit that out. <laughs> oh no! That's that's staying in there. Yep, I know. I had that to say is, it though. Yeah, sure. sure. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's very odd. It's it's um. You know, in art, this would be like an avant-garde thing, right? Where you're you're taking the format that people expect, but you you present it in a very different way. And and in many regards, like this goes back to what I was saying before, where like things feel more and more disjointed as the book goes on. And and I think that's true of like every aspect of this book. I mean, just look at the first page of this, where like there's no panels, there's no background, there's no word balloons, right? It's just like these characters in like two colors and that's that's basically it right like you're boiling it down to the bare essentials um and compare that to the first issue where where the action sequences were more typical comic book sequences um you had kind of this weird bombastic turn at the end like it all felt very comic booky um and and here at the end like things don't feel as normal as they did in the first issue and and I think that's totally fine based on the outcome of the story. Yeah, I, I mean, what I would say is that, you know, it's satire. And I think that, 
like a lot of satire, it's very exaggerated. It's, yes. you know, you, you like you're making a point at absurdium, but to speak to things that are actually real. Um, so it's kind of like a funhouse mirror of, you know, like our society um, kind of extrapolated as far as you can go. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I, like that speaks to some of, the disjointedness. I would also say probably that, um, you know, they're in a way it's, you know, it's anticlimactic, right? Mm-hmm. You like, you set up kind of all these things and none of them, like they're all frustrated kind of, you know, the plot to defraud everybody backfires, you know, the, the guy makes it back only to, to die. And, you know, like they're, they're the, the farm rebellion goes nowhere is irrelevant. Right, right. Like that could have been taken out entirely. I, I don't really know what, what that was adding to the story per se. Um, well, I think that yeah. goes to the ultimate point of the story where like you're stuck in the system and no matter what you do, the system is going to win regardless. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's just another right. example yeah. of, of, of that thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like the flow chart that no matter which way you go, you always end up at the end. Like a real flow chart though, right? Not like a Trump flow chart. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw that picture. That was pretty funny. Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's kind of, man, like under normal circumstances, like I don't know how many people are reading this book, right? Um, it's obviously Aftershock is obviously kind of a, a niche company, right? You have a, a smaller fan base and a smaller readership, um, and and based on the the subjects that this book tackles, uh, that's probably even a, a smaller subset of that small subset. Uh, so the the readership is probably not very large on this book, um, and I think the the subset of people that will actually get what this book is talking about is probably even smaller than that. Um, and I'm surprised that like Aftershock would gave a book like this a chance. However, I'm, I'm very happy that there is a company that is willing to put out a book like this. Uh, even if, if this book was not entirely my favorite of the books that Aftershock puts out, I think the message uh-huh. is really interesting and kind of important and in many respects, very true to life, right? Regardless of how exaggerated and satirical it is, um, like this is real shit. Um, yeah, I just had a, a a very interesting conversation last night uh, that showed me exactly this. Like, this is not very far off from reality. Right. And, and if you think about it in the in the bigger picture part, that's kind of what Aftershock does. Like, yeah. a, a walk through hell and animosity and this book and so many others, for example. They're taking chances. Yes. Well, they're taking chances, but a lot of the books are satire on the real world itself. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Uh, one thing I would add is is just, you know, like in terms of the substance of, of what they're going for, you know, I, I do think they really kind of nailed home in this issue the idea that this, what I thought was the main character... Uh, is like completely empty. <laughs> like, like he just like he's he's the training manual for his job, and right. like you know he he is his job. Um, and 
ultimately, you know, he dies trying to get back to his job. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, like, like it's that's bleak. That's a bleak take. Listen, but I do, th- I do th- think it's funny. This guy is my boss. Yeah. I think this guy is a lot of people's bosses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we can laugh about it, but I think it's true, though. Hey, that's why I said after my thing last night, like, this is totally 100% reality. Like, this is yep. not satirical at all. This is yeah. the real world. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Agree. But is it better to be a true believer or to, to pretend to be a pretender? Well, that's kind of a different discussion. Uh, yes. That's an interesting discussion. Um, I don't know. I mean, I would say it's better to be a true believer because you're living exactly what you believe. Uh, but I think sometimes you kind of have to, in order to live in a world of the rules of this book, um, to get by, you have to be a pretender, right? Because if you automatically say what you believe, you're no longer going to be able to say what you believe. Right. Or you know say I mean? anything at all. Right. The, the, yeah. only, the only voice you have is the voice that agrees with the consensus. Yes. Or buy a suicide kit from caucuses, and that's your <laughs> that's your plan B. Yeah, yeah. See, that's why I'm glad we do this podcast, because when we first started talking about this book, I was a little bit down. But the more we talk about it, I realize how genius this book is. Yep, it's fun, man. Yeah. It's not supposed to be, you know, serious, you know? Yeah. Like, you, sure. you yeah. got yeah. you to gotta be open to the fun. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. All right, what else on Shoplifters? I'm good, man. Good. Ronnie, you good? I'm good. All good. right. Good. Travis, rate it up. Four out of five. I will go four out of five. It'll be a trifecta as I go <laughs> four out of five. <laughs> uh, all right. So that leaves the final book of the week, and that is God Killers number two, uh, written by Mark Sable. We have art by Mon House, colors by Hernan Cabrera, and letters by Thomas Maurer. Uh, I didn't realize Jeremy Hahn did the cover. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty awesome. That cover is freaking ridiculous. Yep. That's it is just Jeremy Hahn being Jeremy Hahn. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, Travis, you want to you wanna guide us through this a little bit? I mean, it sounds like you love this book, dude. So, I, <laughs> I mean, like, I can nutshell it, but I think that you should lead off the discussion. Well, no, right? I, w- I want you to lead off the discussion. Ooh, you I, don't want me to lead off the discussion. Listen. I believe in you. I led the discussion on the fa- on the last <laughs> book, and I wasn't too thrilled. So you can lead the discussion on this one. Okay, so let's just say in broad strokes, this issue kind of you know what are the takeaways? Um, you know, seems like ex- more or less the task force is explicitly about you know we're gonna kind of. Uh, defeat insurgencies by killing people's gods. Like if you kill if you kill the gods, you kill the resistance or something. It's something along those lines. It seems like the the premise of the task force, mm-hmm. and it seems like they're collecting supernatural things, maybe in service of trying to to go after these deities. You know. Yes. Um, and our POV character is an atheist but you know he's obviously confronted with very real evidence that this stuff exists on some level 
and he's trying to rationalize like okay well like I'm seeing stuff that I that I know is supernatural and can't explain, but that doesn't necessarily validate, you know, all of you know the this like personal religious teaching and dogma that I have uh, that I have rejected, you know. So there's, I mean, there's some of of like like that's kind of the lens that this is all. You know, it's it's like much like the first run of Britannia. Is my right. analogy right? Right. It's like you have a diehard non-believer that is basically confronted with obvious evidence that he's wrong, mm-hmm. you know, and has to grapple with that. And you know, like you know, he's kind of you know he's he's in the service of this mission that seems like you know among the deities they're going to take out. Obviously, it seems like the Muslim, you know, the the Islamic deities are on the chopping block. Um, and he's talking about, I've done a lot to defend this and I can't explain why I defend this religion that I don't even believe in, you know, but I think maybe it's leading to a choice that he has to make about whether he actually wants to kill it or not. Right. Yeah. So let me explain to you why I really enjoy this book and it, and it's on two different levels. Um, and this kind of goes a little bit back to the discussion we just had about shoplifters. On on the surface level, this is kind of like a military drama, right? Uh, you have this group that's being sent out to well, insurgents, basically. Um, but of course, you do have the supernatural element, right? So you have this disembodied psychic vampire kind of thing, uh, which is an awesome character design, by the way. Uh, I didn't look up the whatever it was that they named the character, the the demon thing. Uh, I didn't look it up, so I don't know. I'm, I'm sure this is based on a real life thing, uh, a real life myth. Uh, but I, what I really liked about it is on the surface, it's that, right? It's this military drama. And the first issue reads a little bit more like that. Um, I think things really kick up in the second issue, more of the supernatural, uh, even though you do see this vampire in the first issue. Um, but even though it's that on the surface... It really plays a lot on like xenophobia, for example, in in terms of this like mythical imagery, right? Where like think about like World War II, for example, right? All the propaganda posters, right? With like the the Chinese Red Army, like you never see just like normal Chinese people on the posters, right? It's always these like deformed Chinese people with like fangs, or like same with Nazis, right? Like they're like zombie killers or what? Um, because in order to do some of these horrible things that you need to do when you're in a state of war, um, the propaganda machine really kicks in and you have to kind of like demonize the enemy, right? If you if you can view the enemy as not entirely human, it's easier to do the things you need to do to perform the mission. And, and I was never in the military. You guys were not in the military. Uh, but I, I do have friends that were in the military and... There is kind of a sense of that, right? We're like, America's yeah, the best, sure. and these guys are like heathens, right? Uh, we need to, like, whatever, evangelize them, save them from themselves, right? Because yeah. we're the best, and they live yeah. in a third world country, so how do we do that? Um, and, and to go back to me and Ronnie's love for conspiracy theories, like, there's a lot of this in conspiracy theories, right? Uh, right now, you see a lot of like all the rich people are pedophiles. They're like satanic pedophiles, right? They kidnap kids and drink their blood or whatever. Um, 
And like, I mean, does that exist? I don't know. But like, I don't think that's the case. You know what I mean? But like, it's, it's easier to kind of alienate yourself from these people that you feel oppress you and, and portray them as monsters than to see them as just another person. Right. right? Instead yep. of seeing them as like parents and children and, and grandparents and mothers and fathers, you see them as blood-sucking pedophiles, right? Because it's easier to talk shit about yep. them that way. Yep. Um, and, and I think that's what this is doing, except in a comic book way. We're like, these things are real, right? And so you have these demonic figures that control people and make them become terrorists and do whatever. Um, in real life, that's not the case. But like metaphorically, it is. And, and so that's one reason that I really enjoy this book. There's another one, but I want you guys to react to that. How do you feel about that aspect of it? No, that's totally spot on because it's like uh, programming type mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just it's because. <laughs> 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 that's a, a different podcast. But Yes, yes, yes. Um, no, like it's easier to uh, carry out the mission, shall we say, if your point of view isn't as jaded or as clear focused as what the people want you to cl- uh, do the mission is for. Right. Yeah. If, 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 he, if it's painted to you that like you're liberating these people because of the, under the oppression of some like, you know, crazy lunatic, then like, you're like, hell yeah. Like, I don't want this crazy lunatic to, you know, enslave people. We got to get right. rid of them. Right. I mean, here, here's kind of my, the, what I am unsure of, you know, uh, because, you know, like, you know me, I am kind of a, a dirty liberal and, <laughs> you know, like, A, I like kind of my, my radar activates when people are coming after Islam, right? I'm just yeah. like, conf- like conflating Islam with, with terror is a minefield and that makes me uneasy. Um, sure. Like that being said, in a sense, I, I, I was trying to think about the premise of the book and this idea maybe of like, you know, think about Imagine by John Lennon or, uh, you know, Gal Gadot, whatever. <laughs> uh, you know, and the idea of like, you know, okay, yeah, but what if we did actually kill all religion? Maybe that's a good thing. You know, so it's like, ah, I mean, may, you know, that's interesting. If they are also going to kill the Christian religion, sure. you know, right. like you have, like if they're equitable, then I'm on board. I feel like there was a panel in this issue where somebody says, my God is bigger than your God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that to me suggests that maybe that's not going to be their approach and Christian God's going to be off the table. So sure. if, I, like I don't know. I like I don't know how to grapple with. It's going to depend on what exactly they do with that. You know. So, so I under- go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, wouldn't um, the dynamic of everybody of this task force team that has a different belief system? Wouldn't they automatically think that their god or deity is bigger than the next person's, though? Right, so that goes to the point that I was about to make, Travis, is Mm -hmm. think about it the other way, okay? So what if this book was being put out in, like, Iran, okay? And the task force was 
heading out into uh, into France to liberate the French from the dirty Christians, right? Like the only reason this is a story about Islam is because like this is real shit that we see here in the U.S. where there's a lot of like bad mouthing Muslims, even though like you know you're basing the actions of a few people that don't actually follow the words of the Quran as what a Muslim is. And you don't even have to narrow that field down like that. You can do broad strokes and say like Christians and Mormons and Catholics and Methodists and well, that whole thing. Yes, that's true. I mean, Christians don't agree with each other. Right. Yeah. And I think Mormons are a good example, right? Like Mormons have been persecuted since you know, the 1800s. Yeah. 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 I mean, obviously they end the issue with this idea of like, what if all my worst fears were true? You know, like all of the worst interpretations of islam like what if those turned out to be true and you know maybe that's motivation for him you know like ganking allah or whatever they're (laughs) trying to set up with that well i think i think it's the smartest play here also to have your focus character be an atheist also Mm -hmm. because he he doesn't have any skin in the game at all right on any religion that they face yep and so this goes to the second point of why I really love this book, uh, because I grew up very Christian. Uh, I was very involved in church and then decided to leave and became a very staunch atheist for my life afterwards until very recently. Uh, I'm going to out myself where I had a very strong psychedelic experience. Uh, and now I believe that there's no way that there's not something. You know what I mean? And, and it is very possible I, to I... have an experience like this where like it fundamentally changes everything that you believe. Correct. And the bombardier beetle is a prime example of that. Because they smell like farts? No, because they shoot toxic gas uh-huh. out, <laughs> out their ass. <laughs> but 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 if they and it's all inside them. So yes. like if both of those chemical things touch together or whatever they'd blow themselves up right right so whatever whatever you believe huh that's beautiful (laughs) well i'm just saying it's it's whatever you believe in i'm not saying you have to believe one way or another i'm just saying like that just didn't poof and happen right because it's so intricate sure now you just inspired my next cross stitch buddy thank you (laughs) (laughs) you're welcome and and they are pretty cool looking too so they are cool uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of examples like that, right? Um, of, of things that seem odd that just spontaneously happen. Uh, maybe yeah. it did, maybe it didn't. I don't know. Uh, all I know is that, like, I can't be an atheist, right? Um, and so I can yeah. relate with this guy that's seeing this crazy shit, and he's like, I don't believe in any of this. How could it possibly be what I'm seeing? Um, but he's seeing it, right? So you got to wonder, like, well... I'm seeing it, then it's gotta exist, right? How how do I how do I make this jive with my belief system? Yeah, and if I can't, I yeah, gotta find justify. a way to make it jive. Right, agreed. And him seeing it, and then, like I said, it, his point of view is the perfect for all readers to be in for this book because, like, if you if we had say like a Buddhist point of view or whatever then we would see like hard leaning that way. Right. You know, point of view. 
as to where this one, it's like, holy hell, I don't know what I just saw. And I'm a starch atheist and I don't know what's going on. So I need to justify it somehow. Mm-hmm. Well, you know how they, I feel like they talk about um, that. There's somebody from every religion represented. And I feel like they suggest that, you know, the main character is representing atheism and not Islam. Right. So I don't know if there is another Muslim like on the squad or, you know, and, you know if so, whether in some sense the idea is that he like kills atheism, you know, like there, I don't know how to is, grapple with that. There is one. I, it was an issue, or he was introduced in issue one. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I I don't know how they would program him, so to speak, to go do that. Hmm? I mean, it's That's like what, like when it's all said and done, if they spare the Christian God, he's he's says like. Yeah, the God is real. Here's the proof. I don't know. Something along those lines. Well, yeah. I, don't, Just, I, don't, I don't know if I agree with that, though, because, like, somebody can tell you something's real. It doesn't mean that you believe it until you actually mm-hmm. experience it. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, this guy's experiencing some crazy stuff. Yeah. Right? So he can't deny that this stuff is real. Right. Agreed. Mm-hmm. So th- those are the two reasons I really enjoy this book. Um, it's like, I, I think it's just really, really smart. And really well mm-hmm. done. And you can read it just like a typical comic, uh, but there's a lot more layers behind it that I, I really. Yeah, it's yeah, it's the onion. It's yes. peeling back all the layers that that make it yep. as more. Yeah. Plus, it's a horror book, and I love horror books. This is the best. <laughs> True that. Best. Uh, all right. Anything else on this book? Uh, Man House is awesome at art. Hell yeah. And and I think this team, the creator team on this, like has knocked it out of the park the first two issues. Mm-hmm. I agree. I am curious how uh, this this subplot is going to evolve as the series progresses. Where uh, basically they they send this team out to get these uh, gods uh, to basically use them as as military weapons. Yeah. So I'm curious how that's going to evolve. Imperium style. Hmm. Ah, there you go. I like it. I like it. Very good. Let's, uh, Travis, anything else? Should we wrap it up? I feel good, man. Awesome. Uh, Ronnie, rate this one up for me. It is a straight five out of five. Hell yeah. Five out of five for me. I, I will go 4.25 out of five. Sorry, guys. Goddamn liberal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, don't get me wrong. I lean liberal, too. So it's a joke. Nobody take offense. Uh, very good. Yeah. So that wraps up this episode of the At the Shock Central podcast. Gentlemen, always a pleasure. Uh, I think uh, there's books that we haven't discussed, right, that have come out that we haven't discussed? Oh, yes. Correct. Yes. So we, uh, even though comics is canceled for now, we will uh, still reconvene and uh, talk about those books. Uh, so maybe next week. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. Sure. At Rumbar316, at The Great Magnet, at Geekvine, at Aftershock Pod. Thank you for listening. See you next time.